All right, so Megan, we are here with Josh Kerr, Brooks Beast athlete, uh, one of the fastest dudes on the Oval right now. I mean, we'll get into it, but he just smoked Ingebrigtsen and shook up the world at the uh, Worlds over there in Budapest. And uh, we ran faster than him on the mile this uh, past weekend. Definitely. Because we started like a couple hours before him. But uh, when they finally got off, he smoked the crowd again. And uh, we're going to talk. I want to know about the shoe because it looked like a flat to me. Some people are saying it's the Hyperion Elite 4, but uh, we'll get into it. So without further ado, hey, Josh, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I'm very well. Yeah, bright and early here in Miami. And uh, yeah, I'm having a good time. So excited to chat. Ah, Miami, from New York to Miami. That's pretty nice. That's like a, almost like a world tour. Like you're bigger than like a, what is it? Uh, Bulldog, Pitbull? Pitbull, <laughs> that's who I'm thinking of. Worldwide. Yeah, that's me. I've been living on the road for, for months now. So it's, you know, this is where my fiance lives and she's, she's doing her first year of residency here. And uh, yeah, so just starting to change roles from being the, the diva of, of the couple to being the, the emotional and uh, the, support. the help around the house. So that's me. Well, that, that is crazy because I always wonder what it's like for you guys um, in relationships that are traveling all over the place. Because during the summer, I mean, that's a pretty busy schedule for people that are on the track is going over to Europe, hitting all the Diamond League stuff, doing Worlds this year. Like, it's pretty nonstop. And then, obviously, hitting New York, and now you're down in Miami. You said that she's in a residency. What, what's she studying? So she finished medical school, so she's a dermatologist, and so they do four years of residency. Um, her first year is more general, and then three years of dermatology residency. And uh, yeah, so she's started that journey. She's eight years into the education with four years to go. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, that's a high, high level and very stressful and long days for her. So, you know, I'm here to help her as much as I can and just enjoy time with her. So, yeah. Yeah, you look like you have great skin. Is that post dating her or was she attracted to you because she's like, this dude's got a good covering? You know, I think I just do the complete opposite of, you know, what, whatever she does. She's always putting creams and lotions and serums on her face. And I'm kind of more of a, yeah, maybe splash with water every couple of days. But, uh, you know, it's just I guess it's a gift. Yeah. So it, uh, I didn't ever ask the question, but it, how, how difficult is it to maintain a relationship when you're traveling so much for your sport? Yeah, I think, you know, it's important to, to find someone that's uh, as motivated as you and as driven as you. So, you know, me and my fiance, Larmar, we're very similar in the way that we go about our jobs and we're very driven and focused uh, about what we both do and we help each other as much as possible. But it's difficult to find someone that wants to achieve as a high level as, as you and you know her life is is extremely busy and when I'm traveling it's not like she's sitting around not doing anything she's currently doing 13 hour shifts so it's not like she uh, has lacking things to do so yeah it's one of those one of those things where um, I'm just I'm always surrounded by extremely driven individuals and and uh, yeah I guess that's that's the way we work it is when I'm on the road, she's working extremely hard. And when I'm back home, she's, she's still in work until, you know, 5 a.m. until 6 p.m. So I'm just kind of kicking about the house and uh, trying, to, trying to keep myself busy until she arrives home. Doing uh, interviews with idiots like us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I did have an interview this morning at 5 a.m. So I, oh, I've, oh been, I've been up for days, I guess. Well, hopefully we won't make you say the same thing over and over <laughs> and over. But uh, we are curious. So... This is great. You're in Miami with her right now, but you train and uh, work with the team over in, in Seattle, correct? Yeah. So, the, you know, the Brooks Beasts are based out of Seattle and, and that's where the HQ is. So we're able to kind of mix in with the employees as much as we can and, and uh, kind of see what's going on behind a lot of the product and the marketing and, and everything. So it's, yeah, it's a really nice kind of balance between us being, you know, athletes and, and them being employees and, you know, being able to see behind the scenes. So, yeah, we're based at Seattle. We go to Albuquerque for, for altitude training camps. And then I'm obviously British, so I, I go over to Europe quite a bit as well to race. And, yeah, obviously uh, um, world champs are over in, in Budapest this year. So it has been a lot of time on the road this year. And uh, we are constantly traveling, but that's kind of where, where home base is. When you're walking around the halls, do you usually somebody grab you, start putting sensors on you and shove like the oxygen thing and, hey, let's test these shoes that we're working on. Do you give a lot of feedback on the shoes? 
Yeah, you know, we work really closely with footwear and they, they've created some unbelievable shoes over the last couple of years, especially. So, you know, we're, we're definitely moving into the right way in the right space and we're getting used more and more as athletes to, you know, make sure that they're developing the shoe that's, that's a high performance shoe as well as, you know, uh, ready to be used by, by the general customer. So it's a, it's a fun, a fun position to be in because they don't have as many athletes as other brands do. So we are very used and we are, um, just massively part of the process. So it's really nice to be, to have a hand in the product and knowing like the product that you're wearing, you know, you've made influence on it. And, and so that's why I'm almost so proud of the product that I wear. And, you know, I think I'm probably one of the ones that maybe screamed the loudest about the product I wear. And it's just because I'm involved in the process and I feel almost partly responsible for it. So we, we just talked about how you crushed fifth Ave mile. What was on your feet there? So I was wearing the Hyperion Elite fours. Um, you know, I think it's a shoe, it's a, it's a carbon plated shoe that, you know, I haven't been wearing for a very long time. And so when they came out and I got my hands on a pair, I, ch I tried them on for a couple of, of workouts on the road and I was like, wow, like this is, this is a serious bit of kit. And, uh, I was very, that, that was kind of one of the biggest reasons I wanted to run fifth Ave because I was kind of ready to shut the season down after Zurich. My body was, was pretty beat up and, you know, mentally I was pretty drained. Um, so, but, but I, you know, I got given the shoe and I was like, wow, this is, this is really serious. And so I was like, I'm, I'm going to go and race fifth Ave because I think, I think I'd, I deserve to end on a bit of a high, high note instead of you know, getting, getting dipped uh, at Zurich. And, and uh, also, I think this product needs to be flashed, flashed in, front of, uh, in front of the U.S. and the world. Yeah, I'm guessing we can't go into too many details since it's yet to be released, probably under embargo and everything. In the past, uh, the, the Hyperion Elite was using a supercritical foam, not a PBAX-based foam, which we're kind of seeing like... If you want to be at the pinnacle, uh, PBAX is really the place to go. Can you tell me whether or not we're going to be seeing the Elite Four enter that uh, PBA foam uh, in the future here? What I will say is that this, you know, we're starting to, there's never a stone unturned for, for Brooks. And, and they're constantly trying to find the best, the lightest, the most responsive foams. And I truly think that they've cracked it on this one. Like I, you know, I was sitting there with, with, um, with my teammate, Henry Wynn, who was also in the race. And obviously the streets were extremely wet and oily and slippy and stuff. And there was a bunch of athletes just running around, slipping around with, with their shoes on. And we looked at each other like, I wonder how this is going to react. And we chucked them on and we were like, we are good to go. And so that's why I'm so excited about this product. And and uh, yeah, Brooks, have, uh, they've smashed it here. And, and they, I'm just so proud that, you know, they're able to, you know, they could easily have followed on and, in, in, you know, other brands and footsteps and, and just kind of gone the easy route. But they went the hard way and, and they did it the honest way. And, and they found a product that works really well for the athletes. And yeah, I think I think they're going to find great success. That's great. So I'm standing there uh, at around, hmm, you guys were supposed to take off at one, 12 25 40. or 12:40. Yeah. I I'm I'm walking through the lobby at the Hilton there and I see Cooper Tier, I see all the women lined up. I see uh even uh Ricky was there, uh one of your teammates and it is deluge pouring uh rain in New York City. Like not just a little rain. This is like a heavy downpour. And I'm like I'm going, "Geez, I wonder if they're even going to do the uh, elite mile." So you get out there and it, is you had a delay for several does it any of that start to bother you or are you like this is just par for the course no i it's kind of how you react to these kind of situations that get thrown at you is is really how how well you can run is you know we get thrown curveballs all the time um during race time if it's delays or buses not showing up or buses going the wrong way or even in london 2017 i had one of my uh one of the buses going to the world championships, he crashed and was in a fist fight with the person he crashed with. <laughs> and we were sitting on the bus just like, uh, we have a race pretty soon. <laughs> and so I, I'm, very, I'm very used to it. And uh, I just kind of, I, I know how to react to these things. And it's always to, to do it with a calm mind. And, you know, something that we always work on is, is 
uh, or an analogy we always use is, is the stream. And when, you know, when the water's going down the stream and it hits a rock, it doesn't stop. It always finds a way around it because there always is a way to react to these things in the right way. And, and it's always about just flowing through every situation that comes and never kind of getting too agitated, but also just reacting in the right way. So, yeah, there was a lot of chat. There was chat about it being canceled and there was chat about it being delayed. And so for that, I just kind of sat there and, and waited a little bit longer for my warm up and, and made it on the shorter side. So in case if we needed to wait a little bit longer, that I wasn't going to be out there, you know, jogging for, you know, 45 minutes and then having to wait another 45 minutes to, to really get to race. But they ended up getting it done on time, but they did have to cancel some of the races, which was a real shame. But it was, again, it's just lightning, isn't it? And it's not something that they can really play around with. Yeah. So when they line you up, something that people uh, may not have known for, for a street mile like this, they actually had like seating. Like they have, they put you in order of, I guess, who they think has the best shot of, of winning is that how do they determine like where they line you up i'm not too sure um <laughs> i so but they they do have their our bib numbers are kind of rankings almost so you know i was right there right in the middle and then like they started doing like two three four five and, and they kind of lined up that because the it, the street's big enough for everyone but for mm -hmm. where we start that start line there was about two or three lines of athletes and it doesn't really make too much of a difference that step or so it's almost kind of nicer to be in the second line so that you can just sit in and, and not worry. But uh, yeah, they put me right front and center. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to go out and win this thing. <laughs> yeah. So it, re, real quick, the, uh, was there anybody that you were looking around that made you nervous or you felt like, ah, this is, this is the guy I'm going to end up racing? Uh, you know, I think at this point of my career, it's, it's more about what, what I can bring to the table. I'm not too worried, especially with, you know, fields so late on in the season. You never really know who's going to show up. And, you know, you had some fantastic athletes in there and I'm, I'm not trying to belittle that at all, but everyone's had long years. And so I was making sure that I could just play it to my strengths really, which is staying near the front, making sure it's reasonably honest and then starting to really crack it, crank it up with, with 600 meters to go. So that was my big idea. And uh, it, it seemed to work out, but yeah, it's it's a weird dynamic right near the end of the season because you're like, people are so tired and everyone's kind of more talking about the after party than they are the race. And so <laughs> it's, uh, it's about staying focused for that, for that four minutes or so. Yeah, because I mean, this was the end of your season and you were saying you felt kind of beat up uh, both mentally and physically. So is it as soon as the gun goes off, you just have another gear that it's competitive and you're fine? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really dislike losing. And so I wanted to make sure I went out and did my job. And uh, I was definitely, t that first 800, I was like, oh, you know, I don't feel great here. And, you you know, if you if you remember the race, I kind of sat back a little bit mm -hmm. after 800 because people started to push, people went for the halfway bonus and, and that always kind of pushes the pace on a little bit. So I just sat, settled in for about 200 more meters and just kind of took a breather and then went again. So it was... Uh, it was good. I enjoyed it. it, but it was definitely tiring. And I knew as soon as I was done, I was like, I, not that I got away with it because I actually did feel pretty good over the last 600. But that first 800, I was like, okay, take a, take a deep breath. And the, but I needed to realize that, you know, if I'm hurting, then everyone else is. I mean, we went through 809 reasonably quick. And, uh, and so with that last 800, I think we closed in like 148, 149. So that's difficult mm -hmm. to do on the road. So it's, uh, it was good to get the legs spinning though. Yeah, you made it look very easy. Like you looked like you were very confident that you had this one from, I don't know, I guess after 800, it looked like you were solid. It was the best when, uh, like it, for us as a fan watching, when you turned on the the heater at the end, it was just like, oh my God, look at that second gear. It was like, like we ran the mile and I don't know about me. Just Meg, a little but, bit slower. But like there was a point where I'm like, my legs can't turn over much faster <laughs> and there's yeah, no other no. gear. I think that's the shoes. That's the shoes. There's always another game. <laughs> that's got to be the shoes. So. Yeah. Uh. Um, okay. Let's, before we dive into some of your other recent races, I'd love to just like go way back and get a little bit more history on you. And like, when did running start for you? So I did a lot of sports growing up. I, uh, my dad was a professional rugby player. And so I always kind of wanted to follow in, in the footsteps of him. And, and uh, so we played a lot of rugby growing up, played a lot of football. Uh, and, and ran, ran a, a summer camp actually and it was just kind of to say, stay fit for, for our other sports 
and uh, so I went down to Edinburgh Athletics Club and did a summer camp there. I was throwing javelin or foam javelins and like uh, doing long jump and, and doing a bit of running and quite enjoyed it. So signed up for our first race, but I was eight, and so you weren't allowed to race until you were nine uh, in their like under eleven section. So. I kind of waited a little bit and then finally got to race and it was just, it was the most fun thing ever. I ran a 600 meters indoors and just, and, and had a blast and I was able to win and I was like, wow, like everything that I did made me win today and it wasn't like I was waiting on teammates doing well or nervous about how everyone else was doing, it was kind of all on me and, and uh, I really quite enjoyed that concept and so as the years went on, it was slowly but surely other sports were dropping off and you know I was probably playing six or seven sports you know I was rowing and you know I was at tennis swimming I did the whole lot of things so slowly but surely everything kind of went off and then it just ended up being rugby and running and uh, I kept getting injured at rugby because I was pretty small for for that kind of sport and uh, you know I had to make the decision to I actually got dropped into the second team at rugby and I was like I'm not doing that so I'm going to go and run <laughs> and uh, you know my brother's actually a professional rugby player so we kind of went you know he ran and actually really enjoyed running I played rugby really enjoyed playing rugby and then we kind of just swapped a little bit as as we got older and uh, yeah I haven't really looked back ever since I really wanted to go out to the US uh, to the university over over in the US so that was my big plan through school and so that's what kind of kept me motivated through it and and I knew I could go professional from there so it was a uh, yeah looking back it was it was really fun and I think that was the big motivation factor was go to America go pro from there and then and then you know see what you can achieve so I'm guessing like you're deciding to go to a US university you're from Scotland or uh, the British um, the UK and so you do a lot of research, you fly over, you visit all the different schools, you check out the whole scene, and then you pick your college. Is, is that pretty much how it went? <laughs> yeah, no, not really. Uh, I just, my research was probably as expansive as, let me find an email from every single D1 university I could find. And I, so I, I created this email, I've still got it actually, and I, I introduced myself and then I attached my running CV and then like some like uh, race video links and just emailed that out to probably 200 coaches. So it came back and then I, I just slowly got some emails back. So I was 16 when I was trying to get recruited because I left school at 17. And, uh, you know, everyone kept coming back like, oh, you know, you've got good times for a 16 year old. But, you know, why don't you give it a couple of years and give us another email? And I was like, I'm not having that. Keep going. Next one, next one, next one. And I, I just couldn't get a full ride anywhere. Like they just weren't offering. I think Iona College offered like a partial or something like that. And everyone else said no. And then New Mexico came forward and was like, mm, you're young, but you know how to win races. So uh, that's a skill and we like it. Come over. And I just, I said yes without having any idea. And then I emailed him after like committing. And I was like, hey, you're giving me a full ride, right? And he was like, he emailed back saying yes. And I was like, okay, perfect. So booked my flight, booked my flight over there, and they were like, "You're gonna have to bring your parents over because you're too young to uh, sign your release forms." And I was like, "Damn, that's gonna look very uncool." So I arrived two weeks, <laughs> two weeks early because uh, I read the email wrong, and so I was maybe there on the 15th of August. I got there on the 1st of August, and uh, yeah, I just yeah, I, I went over there, and and yeah, I'd never really been to the U.S. before. Definitely hadn't been to New Mexico. And uh, arriving into Albuquerque Sunport Airport was, uh, yeah, it's a it was a weird feeling. I think my parents are a bit like, what place have you brought us to, fella? And I was like, don't worry about it, it's fine. So that was, that was kind of my right, recruiting Ma. story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were your parents like totally supportive of you doing all this? Yeah, I think they must have done some research behind the scenes. They didn't talk to me about it, but they seemed to, like, you know, she, my mom helped me with my running CV and, and, uh, you know, there was a lot of Brits that went over to New Mexico, so I knew that there was kind of this pipeline of like, I think they have an idea of what they're doing. And I never trained at altitude, but I thought that seemed like a good idea. But again, I didn't really have many options. But I was like, they're going to take a risk on me because I was a 16-year-old that hadn't really ran all that fast. And uh, so I was like, I'll take a risk on them. You know, I think uh, I'd never really asked for a visit because I didn't know that was a thing. Um, and so I was just like, as soon as he said, yeah, we'll, we'll offer you a full ride. I was like, yeah, just put me in. I'll, I'll come over. <laughs> and then what was, uh, your college experience best. like? 
you know, it's it was mixed. I think, you know, my first my first semester, I, I probably put on like 30 or so pounds and, and uh, just your classic freshman stuff, just <laughs> leaving home and, and uh, enjoyed myself probably a little bit too much in the first. But I never went out. I will say that. I never went out drinking. My, uh, my coach pulled me aside when I first got there and he said, if I see you are out or like at a party or anything like that, like I will kick you off the team on the on the spot and i i mean i took that to heart and so i didn't even like go anywhere near any parties i was just like i was just blown away by the food in america like i was just like the fast food here is unbelievable and so i used to walk this is a terrible decision i used to walk um to uh papa jo oh no little caesar's pick a pizza up and then next take it next door to ihop eat it in IHOP and then had pancakes afterwards for <laughs> and I was like this is perfect it's so cheap you know I was getting I was getting like between 800 and a thousand dollars a month yeah, I paid 500 of that to rent and then 500 bucks that was so much money I was like let's spend it and uh yeah so after that it took a bit of time to transition out of that my coach probably then took a little bit of a closer eye on me and uh yeah the training started to come together and I I kind of understood what it was like to live on your own take that responsibility on and and I always wanted to be a professional, so I knew I needed to win NCAAs. And so it was then just starting to refocus a little bit uh, come, come the spring of my freshman year. And then, you know, I was in college for three years uh, as part of uh, or a student athlete for three years. And, uh, yeah, I was able to come out with, with, with two NCAA, or three NCAA championships and, a, and an NCAA record. So ended up ended up good. But that was, that was a kind of slow start that I feel like the best athletes always have. Do you think that... That that you the going back to the drinking part in Europe it's not as big of a deal like you're not waiting till you're 21 to to drink and stuff and it's more you know part of just regular life. Do you think that made it easier for you to come over and do college and not be like like fall into that trap of the parties and and alcohol and that kind of thing? Yeah, so I mean, I almost had it the worst of both sides because I turned 18 in the US and so I legally wasn't able to drink in the UK. Then I went over to the US and then they, they added another three years onto my uh, drinking limit. So it, yeah, I, I do think it's, it is easier to stay focused in the US with that because I think a lot of people in the UK struggle with that when they go to university because it is a big drinking culture for the first couple of years. Um, especially runners and, and people going to do sport over there. But, you know, everyone just needs to know, like, what lets them tick and what they need to, you know, to enjoy themselves and also be able to train well if you're, if you're going to university for, for a sport. But, yeah, I definitely socialized in college, but it was definitely not my freshman year. And then I, I then told my coach, like, during that conversation, I was like, I'm 17 years old. I can't legally drink in the UK. I can't legally drink here. What are you expecting me to do? And he was like, <laughs> and, and so after I turned 18, I told him, I was like, you know, I didn't go out. And he was like, I, no, I know, I understand. And so, because the team was having a party, so I asked, his, I asked if it was okay to go. And I was like, everyone's going to be there. I said, all right, if I go. And he kind of, I guess, had forgotten about our conversation on my first day. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I think I probably took that too much to heart. So. <laughs> um, okay, so after college, how did that transition into the pro world go? Yeah, I thought, I thought it actually went very smoothly. It's, it was kind of mostly down to Danny. So Danny Mackey, the head, the head coach of the Brooks Beasts, he, uh, I guess, allowed the permission of me to continue my studies because I signed uh, in my junior year. And so I still had a year, actually a year, about a year and a half left of, of university to do. And it was important to my, my family and my parents that I got a degree as well. So that was part of the, the contract negotiation was like allowing me to stay in Albuquerque to finish that. And so me and Danny had to start to get to know each other very well so he could coach me from afar and then I could try and be in Seattle as much as I could and the team uh, goes to altitude camp in Albuquerque anyway so that helped um, but yeah it was like we built this foundation of a coach-athlete relationship without being in the same place and so mm. we had to talk all the time and and I think that actually has made our relationship so smooth now where 
I am traveling a lot um, and, you know, sometimes Danny's not with me and we're able to just know. It takes one video of me doing a stride for him to know if I'm good or not good. And it's kind of actually pretty impressive. I still don't really know how he does it. Um, <laughs> but I always have people filming some of my stuff when he's not with me. So our assistant coach or something like that, if it's just me in Europe and he stays back with the team. And so, yeah, we, we just have... That he's allowed, he allowed that transition to be to be really really smooth and, and seamless because what he does well is he'll take the athlete from the program uh, that they're in and learn about that program, see what made the athlete tick, and then find a way to transition them into being able to do that professionally, so at a slightly higher level and and just and build the lifestyle around the training as well, so that we're proper proper athletes uh, and it's not a nine to five job, and uh, and I think that that transition went pretty smoothly. That's right. We, we, we smoothed over real quick and you brought it up in that last little bit was that you were able to finish your degree. What did you end up getting a degree in? So I milked it a little bit, actually. So I got uh, an undergrad in communications and then I have a master's in business as well. Awesome. So is, there, is that something that you're thinking about post running career or are you I'm running right now and I'm focused on that? I definitely think about it because, you know, you're, you're not guaranteed tomorrow in this sport. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a very lucky position with, with some of the things that I've achieved where I can feel confident about, you know, new contracts and things like that. But it's, uh, it's always something that I think about. And uh, I did want to have something on my CV on, on top of just, hey, I've been running for 16 years. And, you know, I had some jobs in, in school and like high school and stuff. And, you know, I, I did enjoy my receptionist job in school, but uh, I didn't really have any job in, in university because, you know, between running and, and uh, in classes, it was it was difficult to add. And I actually spoke to my coach to try and see if I, he would allow me to get a job. And uh, and he, he was he was pretty against that. So, it, yeah, I, I think that's something that Brooks does really well as well is we actually get offered um, paid internships. Uh, for the fall and so I did an, an internship with the finance department uh, back in 2020 or 2021 and and so they're always trying to help us with with kind of gaining experience outside of running and and uh, it does make our our CV a little bit sexier than just uh, running circles for four minutes mm -hmm. and have done for a very long time are you the fastest guy in the finance department <laughs> I believe so, but I never really, I never really raced them over a hundred. But everyone in everyone in Brooks runs. It's crazy. Like, and I, <laughs> I don't know how they do it because they're all in in the office pretty early, and I know that they're out either running to the office or biking to the office or running at lunch. And it's it's such a cool atmosphere to be in. It's like you know, I think some of my some of my best meetings I've had with Brooks employees have been on runs. Um, so it's it's you know, I think that's a pretty creative way to to, to work with people. That's awesome. And so you obviously selected Brooks for a reason, but what, like, were there other contracts on the table after college? What was, what were you looking at? Yeah, I think, you know, I had, I had some contract offers from, from brands and Brooks were the reason I came out. Like they had presented that they were going to come forward with a contract and I had meetings with Danny and, and the sports marketing team at the time. And, and so after NCAAs, I, I knew I was going to come out and I thought I would do a disservice to myself if I didn't say that to other brands and, and see what they had to offer. But no, no one really had anything that excited me more than just the overall coaching and brand of what Brooks had to offer is, you know, you can look at programs in terms of the athletes there or um, just like history of, of, of teams or you can look at how, how the coach can work with you. And I, I knew that Danny had the right vision for me and that, that he could take me to where I needed to be. And so that was kind of the, the first step was like, can the coach take me to the level that I believe I can get to? Uh, and that was a, a big yes. And then what can the, is the brand, is, is the brand something that I can align myself with? Um, is there values and what they're really going for with uh, the direction of the brand is that something that I can align myself to and, and, and really enjoy being around and, and that was a big tick as well and then obviously you've got to have you know the, the right numbers and stuff in terms of financial um, the financial situation as well but that's kind of third or fourth down in the list because you know you can get paid a lot of money to to say things but if you really don't mean them I don't quite understand why you would do it it's not really who I am so uh, yeah that was kind of the the idea and, and when I saw uh, 
so I'd been convinced at that point that I wanted to go with Brooks, but before seeing the contract, not, you, I, I don't know if you are allowed now with NIL stuff, but back then you weren't allowed to see contracts or numbers or discuss numbers. So saw the contract, really liked it, and uh, and signed with them a couple of days after NCAA. So that was uh, that was great. And I actually don't think I saw a physical contract from another company. I heard about them, and I just kind of I didn't really I didn't really like uh, what I heard, so I just kind of went with it. So yeah, it was. Uh, it was a pretty smooth transition, I think. I mean, you seem like a decisive guy. Like once something seems to work for you in your mind, you're like, that's it. And you pack your bags and drag your family over so they can <laughs> sign waivers. Um, yeah, I, is that you? Yeah. To be honest, I didn't really know that about me until I answered some questions. And so, yeah, you know, when I, when I went to the U.S., I didn't visit. When I signed with Brooks, I hadn't been to Seattle. <laughs> I'd met, I'd met Danny at least. Um, and then, you know, that's, that's just kind of, I'm more of a, yeah, I'm a gut feeling guy. And I think when things feel right for me, it normally goes well and, and uh, it's gone well so far. But yeah, I would say some hasty decisions, but everything's gone smoothly so far. Um, so what does training look like for you now or like this past season? Are you doing solo? Are you with a group? Like, what does it all look like? Yeah, so uh, in, the, in the winter time of, I guess, 2022, I think we start. We I think we started around about the start of October, and uh, you know I'm with the team Brooks Beast for those three months in Seattle, and then we kind of split for uh, split for Christmas time, and then we come back in the new year, and we start a little bit in Seattle, and then we go to Albuquerque for a good amount of months actually, um, which is difficult for a lot of people in team because people have family and and husbands and wives and and babies and everything, so. It's uh, everyone kind of has their their own individual struggles with with certain things, but you know I enjoy being in Albuquerque. It was where my fiance was at the time, and uh, and we have a house out there as well. So it's kind of trying to trying to be you know living in lots of different places. It helps when you have a bit of a home base there too. And uh, yeah, training's been looking good. I think you know I went with a very strength approach. So what we do is as a fifteen hundred meter guy, you don't normally run 1500 meter sessions and so through through winter stuff you run very strength based work and then you you kind of then cut down into 800 work and then you at that point you just kind of smash a couple of 1500 so that's the way that we've always done it and uh, I enjoy I enjoy doing it that way so I never I probably train like a 1500 guy maybe three weeks a year but outside of that I'm up as a 10k guy or down as an 800 guy that's pretty much it and then didn't you um Dabble in like a half marathon training? Well, you know, I had to show Brooks that I have a future on the roads. And uh, I, that was my whole goal. It's like, you know, maybe I can tease them enough where they could add a half marathon or a marathon bonus in my contract. So, you know, we'll see what comes up. But no, you know, we run the holiday half in uh, San Diego. And it was just one of those things where I was like, I really want to run a distance where... It's a new challenge, a new set of challenges where we can go into the race and it's not like we're going to front run and, and kind of do what we normally do. And it's just more of a get in the pack, battle away and do something that you're, you're not used to, but it's still, obviously, it's the same sport. And so the same similar things will happen. And uh, I had an absolute blast. I thought it was one of the most fun races I've ever done. And uh, I can't wait to talk about running another one in the fall. Um, but we'll see if Danny has any different ideas. But... You know, I think he's easily convincible with stuff right now, so huh. I should probably ask. I, I was going to ask because it seems like when you can run as fast as you do in the 1500 and you've got those track legs, it seems like, to me, watching from the outside, the athletes tend to, as they start to lose a step, that's when you start seeing them drop into the, you know, they can start crushing the the half marathons, the marathons and stuff like that. But is... Is it something that you can do at the same time you feel? Yeah, I think it's, it's difficult to train for, for a fool, but definitely the half. Um, like you're saying, like Elliot Kachogi, uh, you know, used to, used to run the 1500 and then moved up to the 5K, has medals um, at both of those. And so his transition up to the fool, it's like it's almost the mile splits don't feel very fast if you've ran, you know, in the 340s in the mile. And uh, it's all just about efficiency at that point. And uh, he's obviously got an incredible engine. But uh, I do think it's, it's nice to have the legs of the 15 and then slowly but surely we'll get older and older and uh, we'll get slower and slower and we'll just extend the distances and we'll milk this, this career for what it is, I reckon. Yeah. 
So I mean, is, is that the plan? Is uh, as you age, you'll just you know go up in distance? Yeah, I haven't quite hit the five k the way that I want to, and so I wonder if after LA we'll just jump straight to the ten k. So I'm not too sure. We'll see. There's this balance with with running, and and uh, I've found that you have like comfortable distances and uncomfortable or comfortable paces and uncomfortable paces, and I'm very I have a very tough time running sixty two sixty three seconds per lap. I enjoy running 56-ish, 57 seconds for a lap, and I enjoy running 67 for a lap, but that kind of in-between doesn't work for me, so the 5K hasn't quite been cracked yet, but I think we'll have another go at it this year. And, uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, Isn't that interesting? It's, it's weird, it is, and I, I've had this like, argument conversation with Danny quite a lot, because we'll run uh, like a session like 10 400s or something, and we'll start, um, or maybe, maybe a couple more, but we'll start maybe at 62, and I'm like, I would rather start at 59. Like, I just can't. Because it's meant to feel really good, but it just doesn't. It never feels good. No one <laughs> likes to run 62. It's just the worst time ever. So, to me, yeah, I, uh, if, you, I if you're going to equate that. So the 5K that, might have to take a break, but we'll see what happens. If you were going to equate that, there's when we have to do speed work for the marathon, there's one distance I hate more than all the other ones, and it's shorter than a mile. It's the, it's the one case. Because I I'll do an eight hundred because that feels right to me, and then a mile a mile you it makes sense, but a one k that's point six five, it's just such a weird distance. It's a little longer than feeling good during an eight hundred, and it's it's shorter than a mile, so you got to run harder. Yeah, these distances don't make sense to me. You know, like we keep the k's out of it. Just run the just run a twelve hundred because it's three perfect laps. You don't need to worry about doing the, you know, because when you're 600 into a, to a K and you have a whole lap to go, you're like, what are we doing? We have to finish in a different, <laughs> we have to finish in a different place that we started. It's such a, it's such an annoying, maybe you have to jog back. And so just run the full 12. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I'm with you. Um, okay. Tell me about going into Worlds. Like, what was your mindset? How were you feeling with your training wise? What did that all look like? No, I, I went into Worlds with probably the, the healthiest uh, relationship that I've had with, with everyone and my own mind. And so, you know, I, I'd really worked on the structure of my days in, in the lead up and the build up. And I think what sometimes people get wrong is, is you, you're, you're not supposed to train to be good at training or train to be a good runner. You need to be training to be really good on the right day. And and so I practice the day a lot. And so that means like going through the mental emotions of the day, going through, you know, the physical stuff that comes your way on the day. And, and if that was, you know, sitting in the car for the amount of time that it was the drive between the hotel and the track, or if it was sitting on my chair before a workout for 25 minutes, because that's how long the call room is, or, you know, eating at the same time, shaking out at the same time and, and, and going through, you know, like writing down emotions that I would be going through during the race. And so I had practiced a lot about what I was going to do. And I think the familiarity of having done that a lot uh, just brought a, an ease over me for, for that championships so that I just prepared in the best way that I could. And I had kind of come to terms with what the result was going to be. I had a very good feeling that it was going to be the result I wanted. However, I knew that the enormity of the task was going to be, you know, something that I couldn't really change. And so all I knew was going into that final day that I had prepared everything that I had to do to prepare to win. I had the right game plan, had thought through all, all the decisions that were going to be made during that day. And I'd come to terms with whatever the result came out that day. That was going to be what defined me for the year. And I was okay with it, regardless if that was first or last. And, and I think that was just the, the best mindset to have. Because I'm unable to affect anyone else's running on that day other than my own. And uh, I had made sure that I knew that. And so it was a very positive environment where I wasn't very stressed because I'd almost just accepted the result for what it was going to be. And, and I was ready to be a world champion. And, and uh, it wasn't that I was too worried that something might not happen. It was just, I'm going to go out there, do exactly what I've been doing every day for this camp and what I've been doing for, for my whole career, which is going out, giving my best and accepting the result and shake everyone's hand and, and go, on with, go on with my day. And, and I created a moment for myself and, and Brooks and my family and my team that I don't think anyone will ever forget. And I think that just pays homage to the hard work that they've all done. And, 
you know, I got it right on the day, but again, it's behind the scenes that really get us to those positions. And I just wanted to do them proud, really. That's crazy. Mate, can you imagine getting ready for Boston and sitting on a bus for an hour and then sitting in a field yeah, for no, hour? so these, these tactics of practicing sort of like the day and, and what's going to happen, did you come up with this on your own? Is this something Danny suggested? Like, how did you figure that all out? So the yes and no, like, so Danny, I think, you know, with the training, I, I generally don't know if, I, if there's a coach in the world that peaks his athletes as well as he does, like consistently on, you know, at the World Championships or Olympics. In the final, I've either ran a personal best and, and last year I ran a season's best uh, in the final. And it's just because he knows, he knows our bodies extremely well and he knows how, how the body works and how training works. And, uh, you know, I had, the call room stuff I'd done since I was 16 um, because I, I did it before European Juniors, which was my first Great Britain vest back in 2015 before I went out to the University of New Mexico. And, uh, you know, I think it was actually Jake Whiteman's coach, which is actually, now thinking about it, I, didn't, I don't remember that until now. His coach and, well, his dad, um, who's, the, who's obviously the 2022 world champion, his dad told my coach, hey, um, make sure Josh knows that he's going to be sitting in a call room. If he's never done that, he should practice it. And so I did it down the track when I was about 16. And uh, I ended up winning European Juniors. And so it always kind of stuck with me. Like, it's really good to practice all the, all the stuff that kind of comes your way. And then over the years, the last couple of years, I, I started to be like, I never shake out. I, I've never shaken out other than on race day. Why am I doing different stuff on race day than I'm doing every day to train? It's like, what's the point in training if I'm not training for race day? So... You know, I started doing shakeouts before every workout, and um, in Albuquerque, sadly, that meant that I was getting up pretty damn early uh, because it was hot and we were working out at eight. So I was getting up at you know four forty-five and, and getting out the door to get my shakeout in. And then it was like you know, and so I've always kind of done those things, and and um, my nutritionist made sure that the food was like we had decided what food we were going to have for for race day and all that stuff. So I just ordered a bunch of that, and then we would just go through that process of. You know, I had my waffle iron that I had to bring with me and I would make that and I would have my measurements for all my, you know, fruit and yogurt and all this stuff. And uh, and I just, yeah, you should see it in my bag when I was going to Budapest. It just had like the most random like kitchen items in there and like coffee. And yeah, it was uh, it was just a bag of Ziplocs that, you know, hoping nothing exploded pretty much. Mm. So you're going up against like pretty much the golden boy of track right now. Like if, if there's somebody that stood out as, um, I, I mean, he's, he's almost anointed at this point to win every race he, he signs up for with Inga Britson. So are, when you beat him, do you like being the underdog? And did you like, was it even sweeter that you got to beat somebody that's so high profile in the sport right now? I think what I was proud of was um, I won a world championships in, in one of the fastest eras of 1500 meter running. And I think that's what I was proud of. And, you know, the, it's very, very difficult to do it when you've got the pressure on you and, and when you're ranked number one. Like everyone knows, it's very easy. Well, not very easy. It's easier to make it to the top than it is to stay at the top. And so, it, you know, I had many shots at him before I was able to, to win one of these. And, and uh, now that I've got it, I obviously don't want to let it go. And so... I need to make sure that I'm, I'm staying focused on that. But I, I said this a couple of times, like I, I've transitioned through, you know, Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, the UK, Europe, the US and now the world. And slowly but surely I was able to um, take over and win many competitions at each, at each stage in my career. And this last step of, of, of winning a world championships or Olympics was, was one of the hardest things to do. And um, the, the difference between being a world you know, um, being world class and being world champion is one of the hardest steps in any sport. And, uh, you know, that was the, the last step I had to take to, to, you know, finally get to the end of this kind of uh, transition of dominance. And, and now it's a, a whole new transition, which is like not letting go of anything that I've already achieved. And, and uh, that means I have to win the Olympics next year and hopefully go after the world record at some point. But I have to give respect for, for who he is and how difficult it was to get in, in, into his position. But the world championship title is mine now, and I'm not looking to let that go anytime soon. And, you know, 
you can be you know anyone in the world and and uh, and you're gonna have a tough time trying to beat me next year and and uh, it's just it's more motivation because you know I'm having a fantastic time getting to speak to fantastic people and and getting all these amazing opportunities that, that have come my way and and I'm not looking for that to stop anytime soon so does it sink in that you're the best in the world <laughs> I tell you, not really. It's it's a weird one because you know I've been in part of the sport for a long time, and when I first started, I was you know I was watching you know the Olympics and I was watching the World Championships, and I was like, wow, that's so amazing. And then I created this goal of being the best in the world at something. I wanted to be the best in the world at something, and then that became running. And I I then lived and breathed it for such a long time. And then when you cross the finish line and you've achieved your goal, it's just like almost surreal, and it still feels pretty surreal right now. And I know my parents feel the same. My dad and my, my mom and dad actually had to leave the next day to fly back to work, and uh, their flight, their their you know their layover got uh, their next flight got cancelled, and uh, my mom was like, "Oh no, we're not going to make it to work." And my dad was like, "Who cares? Like we are living." <laughs> He's like, "Nothing's going to knock me off of this amazing you know cloud nine that we're on," and uh, and so yeah, I think he had multiple flight cancellations. He was just sitting in the airport, just chilling, and so that's how I feel. I'm like, you know, I'm. I, you know, I'm on a very big high, and, and I, but I do know that there's there's amount of work to be done over the next year to, to continue this success, and and uh, you know that's that's the way of this sport is what you what have you done for me lately, and uh, that's okay, I'm okay with that, uh, but I know that this win's going to live with me for the rest of my life, so I'm I'm still excited about that. Yeah, it was so exciting to watch, but. Um, I want to go back to real quick. You mentioned you have a nutritionist, so I'm curious: is that something you did on your own accord, or is that through Brooks, or what was that? Yeah, so he's the Brooks Beast nutritionist. So we have a, a fantastic setup with obviously Danny, the coach, Julian Flores, our assistant coach, and we have Sarah uh, Cross as our athletic trainer, and we have Dr. Kyle as a nutritionist as kind of our base staffing. Uh, obviously we, we've got S&C coaches and we've got doctors and all, all that stuff but like that's our day-to-day -day coaching staff and uh, yeah Dr. Kyle has been part of the team since I arrived um, I know him and Danny uh, are, are very close and so he's he's fantastic it, I had to you know I gave him a phone call for this camp this camp before the world championships and said listen like if I'm going to get everything right and I'm going to you know um, ha leave no stone unturned I think I'm going to have to get this nutrition right and and he's like 100% um, I, he was like, kind of, what, what's your big idea? And I said, is there any way you can write me a meal plan for the next five weeks? Everything that I put into my body, I want it to be the right thing. And uh, is there any way you can write this menu down? Um, and like, you know, make sure that I'm having the right amount of hydration as well as that and, and things like that. So he said, yeah, 100%. So he wrote that out and, and you know, I hired on a chef to, to shop and, and cook for me. And, and you know, it was really tough, and and uh, you know I was but I was able to build my body into a very resilient uh, body that meant I could stay away from injury and illness, and that was kind of the big idea because you know I had COVID at, at last year's World Championships, and and it was just devastating, um, and obviously I just wanted to make sure I was staying away from any illnesses, any colds, coughs, because it's a lot of travel uh, as well as being around a bunch of athletes right on the brink of uh, you know some of their best performances but also some of them are coming in from all parts of the world so that was a big thing and I was like as long as I can't miss any days with injury or illness I think I'll be really good um, and uh, it just made me into an absolute monster I was just like I had so much energy and you know I was just like this, these are the sacrifices that I think are going to take me to the top so yeah it was really fun. So um, I'm assuming that the nutritionist does not suggest going to Little Caesars and then IHOP? <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, I That's haven't told him about that, to be fair, but it was, uh, it's definitely a low moment for me. And, uh, but, you know, I did enjoy that low time. Moment. <laughs> I did enjoy that time. And I was fantasizing about those moments when I was sitting there, you know, eating salads for dinner. I was like, well, this sucks. But it was all right. Uh, so is that like a forever thing, this nutrition? It's sort of like this is your lifestyle forever? Yeah, you know, after about... A week there was no like cravings anymore it was almost like you know this is you know this is such amazing food and everything's kind of been done for me so it's a very diva way of living but it, it, it made uh, it made my life very easy that I wasn't walking past all the uh, Christmas chocolate and being like oh that sounds kind of nice today and uh, it just took an extra bit of percent where 
instead of coming home and cooking and eating and sleeping, it was like I'm coming home, uh, eating and then, you know, having a shower and having a nap and then, you know, doing the same thing. So it just almost bought me more time as well just to stay off my feet and, you know, have a bit more shut eye and, and uh, recovery. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be something that I'm going to continue because uh, I do think it made a big difference. And I think the biggest part about these camps, uh, I think in any sport as well, in, in build-ups is all about the sacrifices that you take. Uh, just because you know I'm away from a lot of family uh, you know all my family are in Europe and and my fiance is in Florida and I was in New Mexico so that was obviously a big sacrifice another sacrifice obviously was was not eating exactly what I wanted to eat and uh, and you know getting up early and and you know going through all the race day emotions these are all really difficult things to do ice baths all this stuff and uh, those are the moments that you kind of draw back to when it comes to the hard moments on race day and and you go, you know what, this is, this is all going to be worth it. I promise you it's going to be worth it. And, uh, and I, that's what I enjoy about those pre-camps. That's awesome. Um, I, uh, are, we, are we getting towards the yeah. final parts? All right, because I want to talk about shoes again because that's yeah, what we figured. do. Um, you obviously are enjoying the Hyperion Elite Four for, for race day, especially after uh, last <laughs> Sunday. But um, what, like, if you're going to go for... Just your garbage miles, your you know your your training miles, where you don't really care about pace or anything like that. What shoes on your foot? So I over the last couple of years have transitioned from the Ghost to the Glycerin, and I tell you what, it's a bandwagon that I'm pretty sure every beast is on at this point because it's it's normally a battle. We're normally fifty fifty between Ghost and, and Glycerins, but those Glycerins, especially the Glycerin twenties, have been so like just so smooth. Like, yeah, I can't ask for a better shoe than that right now. So that's my go-to. Okay, so you, we just had tried out the Ghost Max. I don't know if you've tried that. And I know that there's going to be a Glycerin Max coming shortly. Have you tried uh, either of those two? So I am sadly haven't been selected for uh, any test <laughs> shoes. and uh, But I saw that they just went on the website, so I'll be ordering a pair of the Maxes. But, uh, what, size, what size foot do you have? Uh, 11 and a half. Yeah, you're off the, you, you got <laughs> to yeah. cut them toes off. <laughs> I know, I, I need to get closer to that 10. But uh, yeah, no, I think I, we had a couple of people on the team that tried them out and was testing them and they would be wearing them every day and they looked so fun and amazing. And I was like, you know, I just couldn't wait for that shoe to drop. So I'll be ordering some today for sure. That's great. I'm sure, I'm sure somebody from Brooks would be happy to send, <laughs> send them out to you. <laughs> <laughs> but you probably do you have to like enter a code in like it's Josh Kerr 101 <laughs> yeah do you want me to just give me you the, the free I'll shoe? just give you the code now uh, right, yeah, I'll you. give you the password <laughs> but no that's yeah the, the the way our gear our gear works is just kind of yeah like a code and we can we can get stuff off the website for free so right. it's a it's a pretty nice life I you know these are I probably I probably if I was 15 and they told me that I could run just for like free shoes I definitely would have done it but you know, now it's it's always good to have the financial stability to have a salary, but the free shoes is definitely better than the money. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you probably get some uh, nice Oakley sunglasses for for cheap because you model them fantastically. Like it was raining and you had you know your <laughs> your shields on. Yeah, and, uh, no, they, it's it's been nice working with them. They're such a great company, and they and they make such a good product. And I think. Uh, it's been. It's it's also nice to have something different. I think you know having the the bright yellow singlet of uh, of the Brook stuff, and then trying to match the glasses with that is always always a bit of fun. And uh, yeah, no, they've been good to me. That's awesome. Are shields now like part of your race Look. day uniform? Yes. So yeah. you know, I've I've uh, I've signed a, a nice deal with Oakley, and and uh, we have that through the Olympics, and and so I'm I'm very I'm very lucky to be able to 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 use their their new products as well as as whatever ones that I can find on the website. I'm just constantly putting orders in for everything. I know that Brooks That's and Oakley's nice. just like they're like, why does this guy keep ordering <laughs> stuff? Well, and, sunglasses, uh, you know, like unlike shoes, sunglasses fit a lot of different people. <laughs> I know it's so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> but they're so good with products How do they get as lifted well. from your house? I know. I, I genuinely, I've probably got. I've I've only been with them for like thirteen months, and I've probably have like seventy five pairs of sunglasses. I just keep asking them. I'm like, hey, can I get some more? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. And so that's I'm nice. probably annoying them at some point, but I got them a world championship win, so they'll be all right. There, yeah, yeah. With the glasses, <laughs> I'm sure every photo. I'm sure they're okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it <laughs> works out. Right. Awesome. All right, so you, you're done with daily trainer, uh, and then I guess people would probably be interested in what you're wearing for the 1500. It, I'm guessing that's the Hyperion spike, but uh, you tell me. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I'm in the Hyperion Spike. And so, yeah, it's been, you know, uh, we have the Eliminate and I haven't quite tried those out as much, but the, the wires are just, yeah, they, they, they go insane. And the responsiveness on those are just absolutely wild. Um, you know, I was, I went back to basics this year a little bit with my product. Um, I haven't really been running in a, a carbon-plated shoe because, you know, for training purposes, I didn't really think it was necessary. And so I've been running a lot in the Hyperion Maxes this year. Um, and I thought, I mean, they're just a cushy shoe that just get, it's just every day. If you chuck them on, you're going to run a good workout. I, I was fine. And you're able to recover. So you use those, those on the track? Yes. Yeah, I use them on the track as well as on the roads. And so I was using them a lot. Um, but then you, you know, it's one of those things where you, you don't remit, you don't really realize what you're missing until you put that, you know, the, the carbon plate shoe on and you're like, okay, these are incredibly fast. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but it's the same with the spikes. I kind of made it a bit more basic this year sometimes. And I was racing in, uh, in kind of the, the, uh, the older spike. Uh, and then I was just like, right, I'm ready to, I'm ready to send everything, you know, I'm, I'm ready to, to really send it. And, and I had a lot of good conversations with the spike team. And I chucked the, the new spikes on and I was like, you guys have absolutely smashed this one. And uh, I think I wore them for my, my, last, uh, my last key workout before I went over to, to Budapest. And I ran eight fours, averaging like 54.8, and, uh, which is averaging faster per lap than I would have needed in the 1500 if I want to run kind of 327, 326. And so, and I, I kind of just looked at Danny and he kind of looked at me and I was like, Dan, yeah, we're in a really good spot. And so it's just the marriage between um, the fitness and, and the product is just, it's, it sometimes blows my mind when they come out with the new stuff. And it's one of those things where I, I'll go back and wear like an old pair of spikes and I'm like, how did we ever wear these? You know, <laughs> like, and I, I'm sure in five years time, I'll wear these spikes and be like, you know, how did we ever wear these? But like, I'm putting them on and yeah. I'm like, this is insane. Like, it blows my mind every time. And uh, I'm, every single time with like Nikhil and, and, and Lee, everyone that's like part of the spike team, I'm like, how did you guys do it? Like, where did you find this stuff? But, you know, I'm always blown away, but I enjoy being part of that process. And, and uh, we're very lucky to be part of that process as well as, as Brooks Athletes. That's right. All right, so hopefully you have some downtime now, and then what is what is next for you? Like, what's the big goal? I think I know, Olympics? but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe. so yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, I I think there's a philosophy with running that I really I really like, and I think you know Danny Danny's a big believer in too, and it's that the body forgets how to run very quickly, and so I'm not really someone that likes to take a lot of time off of running, like fully off of running, and so right now I'm in my two weeks of running every couple of days, just getting 20 minutes in, just doing the action of running because the, the most injuries that you'll ever see are right after an injury or right after a bunch of time off where you're not running. And uh, it's because the body just, it's a bit silly and it just forgets how to do it. And so I just like to get a little bit of running in here and there, but a couple of weeks down and, and yeah, probably only running like, yeah, like three miles. So probably like 12 miles on the week, something silly. And uh, so I'll do that for a couple of weeks and I'll start building the mileage back up and, and we'll try and build towards something a bit longer in the fall. And, uh, and yeah, obviously the big goal is, is the Olympics next year. We'll have that date circled and uh, then we'll work backwards. We'll work backwards from there, try and find the workouts, try and find the races that will transition us in the right way. And, uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully it's a, a smoother year as it was this year and, and, and we come away with, with the, same, the same result. But Every year comes with new challenges, and I'm sure it will be as exciting and as a roller coaster as it was with this one. But uh, yeah, I'm sure it will come with its its challenges and its travel and, and everything. So it will be it will keep me on my toes, and it will definitely keep Danny working very hard. So that's always good. <laughs> I like the uh, body always forgets part, because eh? sometimes like I'll be I'll finish training for a marathon, and I, the night before I'm like I don't even know if I remember how to run. Like, I I'm know. gonna get to that start line. Did that happens to you? All Are the you time. ever like, will I remember how to run? <laughs> I think about that in other sports. I'm like with the skill based sports, mostly like tennis or like you know. I'm like, what if you guys just forget? Like you know, <laughs> forget the motion. Uh, but may, less with running because running is just so pure of like it's just effort based, really, isn't it? And, uh, but yeah, with skill-based sports, I don't really know how they do it. It's just hours, isn't it? It's just, yeah. See, that's weird to me because I feel like I could grab a tennis racket after years of not playing and, really? and vo volley around. <laughs> but literally the night before the marathon, I'm like, I don't even, what, what does running feel like? I don't remember. <laughs> that's why you need a journal. You need a journal all down just so oh, you can remind yourself. 
Yeah, we'll have to get on that. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fantastic. Uh, we really loved hearing about your story, and I like the uh, mindset. I'm also a shoot from the hip kind of person. I like like my gut is my guide, and so I get it, and I like that it's serving you well. It's it was so much fun to watch you both win. Uh, the the two big wins that I enjoyed from you this year were definitely at Worlds. And then again, we sat in the lobby of the Hilton. I don't know if you're staying at the Hilton, yeah. Um, but yeah, and we sat in the lobby, and I actually drank a martini while you were <laughs> while you were running, and I was like, that was badass. Oh, so nice. uh, really enjoyed that. Hope you had as much fun as I did. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. 